Hey, so this next episode really wasn't an episode. I was working with Drew at The Anxious Truth on setting up his new podcast gear, and we got to talking, and the conversation led to recovery. Surprise, surprise. And this is what came out of that. It kind of starts and ends. (laughs) You're kind of walking in on the middle of a conversation, but you get the gist in the middle. All right. If you have any feedback, you know how to get a hold of me, and I hope you enjoy. process that I went through where those shitty feelings just slowly started to eat away at me and everything that I had done previously in my life to kind of, which I didn't know at the time was just to keep away from those crappy feelings. The energy that I had to mood alter or pretend got less and less. And I just kept sitting around feeling worse and worse. And I didn't really know what it was at the time. So I had to take all that away, but I didn't, I I didn't choose to, it was like, Hey, let's go do this. We've always done this. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm not really into it. And all I really wanted to do was sit on the couch. And what I ended up connecting the dots backwards after years of it was that my subconscious was like, dude, you're done. You are done mood altering. You are done running. You are done staying away from the feelings. We are going to make you sit because you were just fed up with living this life. Okay. And that's that was the start of it, but that was that was a hard 2 years of basically not getting off the couch, having no motivation, feeling so there's no internal joy. All joy came from external places. Okay. When you took those external pl- things away, I felt the feelings that I had been running from, masking from and doing other things to avoid. So it's this process of slowly taking away what I was doing externally to be validated and for approval right. and, f- and good feelings. Taking that away led to more and more bad feelings to the point where I sat there and just knew that no matter what I did was not going to take this away like it used to. So if I like to go to concerts... I didn't really feel like going to a concert because somewhere inside of me, I knew it was bullshit. It was just a way to distract myself. Like I had issues that needed to be looked at and my motivation level going down was my subconscious going, time to look at this. Oh, now I understand what you're saying. Right. Okay. So in other words, that that that's it. You're dropped out for the most part was really a signal that said like, done. Not going to let you do that anymore. Too bad. Right. And I couldn't understand like why everything that had felt good or things that I enjoyed had no meaning to me anymore. Like I felt like it was a lie. Okay. I felt like what I was doing, whether it was, you know, drinking, chasing women, gambling, going to concerts, whatever it was, I didn't have the motivation to want to do any of it. And when I was tried going and doing it, I was miserable because somewhere inside I knew that I was going to be on this hamster wheel the rest of my life running to all of these different things just to keep away from what I really needed to face. Okay. So that led to, you're you're thinking that there was something, some mechanism inside that was basically saying, you're not going to do that anymore. 
if, if you didn't know what to do to replace it necessarily. Right. I didn't understand the lack of motivation or how everything that made me feel good that I wanted to do mm-hmm. just went away and didn't work anymore. It didn't speak to me. There was no motivation. Right. In fact, I looked at it as kind of pathetic. <clears throat> Because I think somewhere inside I knew, even though not consciously, right, that I needed to sit with this. And it was forcing me to sit with these uncomfortable feelings. I think I wanted to get to a point where I just felt joy and okay just by being. But not, not actually doing anything. Right. That there's this internal wellspring of joy that comes up to the surface somehow. Somehow. But is it uh, – that's actually really good though. But is it is it really like – I don't really answer this. I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate here. Is it really some sort of internal joy or is it just internal contentment? Like what's the default state really? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. I think when you're running all the time to chase good feelings, okay, you're avoiding all of those bad feelings. So it's like you kind of know they're there subconsciously, but you keep running to stay away from them. I don't know if it's joy or contentment. I do know when there's contentment, joy will find you. Yeah. Well, I think you you can't have the joy and the happiness without that contentment, inner contentment. Correct. To a certain extent. You could even argue that inner validation, that inner being okay, whatever it is, the, 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 the idea of being safe and okay just from within. Like you can feel happy from time to time, but I think there's another level of enjoyment and happiness. It gets deeper when you have that first thing. Right. There's an appreciation of what you're doing. And then there's, I'm going to go do this so that I don't feel bad. Okay. Do you know what I mean? I'm going to go do this so I don't feel bad. As opposed to, I don't have to do anything and I can still feel good. Or I can do anything and feel good. Like there was five things that I enjoyed doing and they took away my sadness. I didn't realize I was doing it to take away my sadness. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. But now it's like the, you just have more choices. When you're okay and content, joy shows up in many ways where it used to be, you know, you'd create like you talk about a safe zone all the time. Right, right. So my safe zone was going and doing these things because I know that they had given me joy. Mm-hmm. They stopped giving me joy. I sat with the bad feelings, processed the feelings, and now it's like, okay, I can just get up and take the day as it comes. I don't have to plan what to do to stay away from the bad feelings. Okay. And then whatever it is comes in the stream of the day, this is going to be fine. Right. But but did you think that going through that helped you to understand a little bit like, what you redefine those terms, I think, of what's fine, what's bad, what's good. You know, you could go like old Zen and Buddhist and say, well, there is no bad and good, but whatever. Like how we respond to those things, I think the definition of what is fine really starts to change, no? It it does. Yeah. It does. It's what was good doesn't feel good anymore because <laughs> – all right, take take drinking, right? Okay. Every di- addiction ends in failure. It, there's no other way around it. Okay. It, it takes away the pain. It makes you feel good for a little while, but eventually you depend on it so much that your life gets so small because all you're doing is figuring out a way to continue with the ad- addiction because that's your safe comfort zone. It's the same thing mm. where you go 
and you do certain things and hang out with certain people, it's kind of a safe comfort zone. Okay. What happens if those places and those people aren't around anymore? You're using something else to satisfy yourself instead of just satisfying yourself with yourself. And that's why it always ends in failure. It ends in failure because it's a dependency on something outside of you. That you cannot control. You cannot guarantee those people or things or situations will always be there. Right. I mean, if my liver fails, I'm going to have to stop drinking. Then what am I going to do? Uh, Start eating pills? Right, okay. Smoking weed, shooting heroin? Like, where, where does it end? Right. The contentment has to come from within, not from external sources. sources. And that's... Part of the problem, I, th- I think when you get fed up with your life and you're tired of doing all of these things just to maintain some level of happiness, right? you have to start looking to be more content from the inside instead of looking from things outside to make you feel content. Hmm. And so the fed up part of this, we started with like fed up, but so what was the fed up part of that? You're... S- like, it, it you, was, you felt like it was a self-conscious, a subconscious thing. It, self-conscious was, thing. it was subconscious, but my life felt like a rerun. It was making the same plans, doing the same things, n- expecting the same yeah. results yeah. over and over. And it was it didn't do it for me anymore. Like the first time I got sober, drinking didn't take it away. It actually started to make it worse. And I was just fed up with myself. I was fed up with having to go... And spend money and pour poisons in my body just to get through the day. Okay. I was just fed up with it. I was fed up. I, you know, driving home, having to stop at the liquor store to buy booze to make sure it was in the house. Like, I did not want to have to stop. I did not want to be a slave to it anymore. I was fed up with it running my life. And once you get to the point of being fed up, what I would normally do is just find something else to replace the booze. Right. And it was one addiction after another. Now, some of it wasn't drugs. Some of it was performing and doing other things. Yeah, whatever. But I would fill that hole in my soul externally. And every time it ended in failure because it didn't give me what I thought it was going to give me. Hmm. So then you get to the point where you're fed up of living outside of yourself. Yeah. How do you go from going 100 miles an hour of always feeding yourself outside of yourself to feeding yourself internally. It's almost like you have to hit the brakes and completely stop. Okay, which actually makes perfect sense when you say it that way. And then you're sitting still and you have the bad feelings and it's like, well, give me booze, give me pills, give me cigarettes, give me women, give me gambling, give me drugs, whatever it is. Just my whole body is screaming, go mood alter. Get out of this funk. Get out of these bad feelings. And I'm like, but I've been doing this for years. And no matter what I did, it never took it away. Right. I didn't know at the time that you have to go in and really experience those feelings without thought, just with being. But there was such a long period of not being able to get off the couch, not knowing what to do or how to do it. That the more I sat with those feelings and didn't alter, the more they surfaced. And the more I uncovered, the more that was revealed until a couple of very traumatic episodes came up. That was like the light that came to me was the only way out of this is through. 
So you have to get fed up. You have to be sick and tired of being sick and tired and being a slave to things outside of yourself to cover up the things that you really need to experience internally. Experiencing stuff externally is, you know, just gloss over something that's a real problem. Yeah. And I, well, I mean, there's a lot there. There's a lot, there's actually a lot in what you just said there. And there's those, those parallels that we talk about all the time with the anxiety thing too. Like, yes, you have to decide like that thing where it's like, well, now I just don't want to, I won't live like this anymore. Right. I just cannot do this anymore. And so you run out of things to, to hide behind booze or drugs or women or whatever it happens to be. And you know, people that are in this situation, the anxiety situation, they run out of places to hide. Well, I'll, I'll avoid doing this. I'll avoid. So you're doing things. Right. You're actually doing things. They're not doing things, which is so interesting. Yeah. But toward the same end, I want to escape this thing. Correct. So if I will escape it by just getting deeper and deeper and deeper into my safe cave here. And I intentionally almost don't want to do things because if I go out and do shit, then I start to feel all the bad feelings. Whereas with you, if I just sit here, I'm going to feel all the bad feelings. So I'm going to go out and do some shit now to not feel them. Yes. But in the end, it's all the same. You got it. So whether you have to stop doing things or start doing things to feel the bad things, that's the way to do it. Right. Got to feel the bad things. And with my anxiety, there was a lot of hiding. And my world did get small. Yeah. When I went out, it was to safe places. Right. And I kind of knew the scene, the scenario. I remember when I was younger and I started drinking. I knew exactly how much to drink to get the head on that I wanted to feel good. Okay. Like, so that was safe. I knew where I was going. I knew how much to drink about before I would go too far over or not enough where I still felt the pain. It's all managing the feelings, whether it's avoiding places going out of the house, which I had done. Right. Or going to specific places out of the house to take away bad feelings it's all about avoiding feelings and that is an exhausting place to be though because you are in that zone where it's like well i can't just sit in the potentially safest of places home because then i'm going to feel all the things that i'm trying not to feel i need to get out and drown them out but there's only a limited number of places that i could do that yeah so you are constantly balancing the desire to escape to to the shell but not be in the shell because the shell is full of that stuff that you never want to face. Yeah. So we got to get out of the shell, but but only in certain places. Right. That is exhausting. Yeah. That is a fucking exhausting <laughs> way to live. In fact, we could beat that out, I guess. But that is that is exhausting. It sounds horrible. Constant panic, constant scanning yourself, constantly scanning the room to make sure that you're okay. Yeah, that, that sounds horrible. It, it's horrible. And the only way that I realized that that was happening was having these um, experiences of going back within the feelings and feeling things that I didn't know had existed a long time ago. Right. Like, this is what I was afraid of. And I sat with that fear and with that panic that magically, without thought after it, like Mm -hmm. a week or so after it, your body just starts to let go of that fear because I had faced it alone with my feeling just being in those feelings and feeling that terror that i'm not as afraid of it anymore so i will go back to that as many times as i possibly can i wish i could just say take me back here let me feel it and be done with it right but it's hard to because your subconscious is trying to protect you it doesn't want 
you to experience this. So it keeps it from your memories. It keeps it from your conscious. Right. It's programmed to do that. What we have to do is access. I actually said that back. Your conscious is keeping it from your subconscious, right? Your subconscious is keeping it from your conscious. Right. Right. The subconscious is the wall. Right. So what you want to do is when you sit with those feelings is the conscious meets the subconscious. And you guys have a little discussion about, hey, this is kind of what I've been avoiding. Okay. Well, I don't really want to feel that. Well, I don't want you to feel that either. But the only way that you're going to recover from this is if we have a little dialogue and we tell each other what we know to be true and real. And then you feel those feelings and emotions. Then we don't have to fear it and we don't have to hide it from each other. So it sounds like one of those things where like you're almost, you know, to put it like in terms that we live in every day, like the subconscious is a firewall keeping all the bad shit. Yeah. And like, so you're the conscious part of Joe is like banging on the keyboard, trying to poke holes in the firewall. Correct. Like, okay, just let this port through, just let this service through. Like, and you got to get the right one so that all the stuff you need comes in. Right. Yeah. And the thing is, you try to make that firewall look real pretty. So nobody, you can't see in it, but nobody else can. So can. So you create this false self and you go out and you pretend that you got it all together and you're okay and you're, you know, yeah. happy, yeah. funny, da, 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 da. You're miserable inside. So you're kind of living those two worlds, miserable, but pretending you're not. When you pretend... And you put something so far away from you, all it does is gain power. Right. That seems even more exhausting. Like I, the number of times that we had conversations in the past where like you would tell me things and I'm thinking, I've never saw that. In a million years, I would have never thought that you were going through those particular things that you told me about. Right. So, But you're out there being functional, even though inside you're thinking like, I am barely holding this together. I'm going to implode in 30 seconds. Correct. Max. You would never know it. I remember I was... I would have never known I was, in a million um, years. Three people told me recently, going, your friends don't know who you are. I'm like, I guess nobody really knows. Like, because you keep those parts of you so far away because they weren't acceptable. You, you don't have sadness in my family. You don't have anger in my family. You don't have... You don't talk about feelings. Right. Other than showing how great and happy everything is. And when it's not, and you're pretending that long, it is exhausting. But you pretend to keep it together. Um, I remember I was in my brother-in-law's driveway years ago, and I just bought a new iPhone. And I dropped it before I bought a case, and I cracked the screen. Right. I had it for like eight hours. Ouch. <laughs> and I was like, ugh. And he looked at me. He goes, you are the calmest person I know. That phone would have been across the street in the golf course by now. And I'm like, I'm the calmest person? I'm a, a complete anxiety ridden mess inside like this is how people are perceiving me yeah but i i would have i don't think i've ever saw like i would have thought the same thing you always seem to just like kind of keep it together or you weren't necessarily affected by many things the only thing that i think was a hint because good but we spent a lot of time together was that you would kind of just disappear for stretches oh yeah yeah and so that was maybe like uh you know whoever i didn't know you don't know what's going on because it's not like you would say like well i'm I, i'm not going to see you today because i'm laying on the sofa crippled you would never say that right but that was the only indication to me now sometimes you would drop out for stretches of time it was like being out in the world was i used up all my energy and all that pretending to be okay yeah was exhausting where i had to go and retreat and isolate to recoup that energy right and make myself feel okay to go 
back out. But yeah. I would today I would say I was I'm a misery and need to lay on the couch. Like today it's okay to say that, but hiding that from that's yeah, really hard. It, it's it's really, really hard, hard because when you're in that space or you have that, you know, that panic or that anxiety or that trauma response, when you're in that, there's really no reasoning out of it. Like I can't think myself out of it. And so for me, it was just time sitting with those feelings. And sometimes it took days. Yeah. Now it takes hours. But what's the lesson in sitting with those feelings? I think, you know, I mean, on, on my side of that, of the topic, it's always a in the end a positive outcome like what you're after is this is a succession of positive outcomes but it's so hard for people to understand what positive really means positive means like well i i felt so bad but i'm still standing i'm still okay i can still cook my dinner and shower and do what i got to do and go and engage with the world and maybe make it a better day today that's that's the positive outcome right and so many people i think are confused of like no 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 it, that how could that have been positive i felt bad like we're, we're conditioned that like, you no, no, you're never, ever supposed to feel sad or disappointed or angry or unsafe or any of those things. No, no, no. That's bad. That's instantaneously a failure. Well, and that, that's not true. It's, it's not true. And if you look at any TV show, any movie, any magazine, anything on social media. Oh, forget it. You forget have it. to live this perfect, happy life. And anger and sadness is not acceptable. So when we feel certain feelings that we weren't allowed to feel growing up, we feel shamed and we have an emotional response. Mm -hmm. So we learn never to feel those and we put them so far away from us and we pretend they're not there. But it's like put a dog in your cellar and don't feed it. It's going to get real angry and it's going to do anything it can to get out of that cellar yeah. and eat. Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing with the, the, the feelings and emotions that we do not incorporate into our lives and allow us to have. They get dark and they get hungry. Yeah. You know, if somebody had an experience where, um, let's say they were suicidal when they were a kid. Right. And they buried that feeling. Somewhere inside, they are constantly terrified of suicide. The only way to get over that fear. Mm -hmm. So you don't trust yourself not to kill yourself. Right. Okay. And sure. this fear is buried. Yep. The only way to learn how to trust yourself that you won't kill yourself is to feel the feelings that <laughs> led you to right. wanting to commit suicide right, when right. it came up. <clears throat> if you can sit with those feelings whatever they are and how they are and you get through them and you don't go through with the act, you just gain power over those feelings, emotions, and thoughts that you have not accessed and trapped inside of you that is screaming to be felt and heard because those feelings that you do not deal with control your life. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. That, makes, that actually makes a whole lot of sense. And I think, so, I mean, you got to deal with it all. Just, just people don't want to deal with it all. It's really difficult to understand that like, no, no, that was a positive outcome or that was a learning experience or that was a, a release of whatever or a resolution of something. And sometimes doing those things isn't fun. It's not fun. It sucks. It, it but does. But sometimes we have to do those things. Like, you know, and I think the other thing that, that is a block to that for many people and I, I'm guessing that you've seen this too, is not only 
it may be in your family system you were not allowed to be angry or upset or anything that disrupts the system, you know. Right. But and you're right, social media. Not only are you bombarded with everybody's highlight reel of what their, <laughs> you know the perfect life that they have going on, everybody's perfect and you're shit, which is ridiculous. And I think everybody recognizes that. But there's also this ridiculous wave of positivity somehow that is kind of bullshit. Like yes. like somehow, and, and I've been told by many people, like, well, anger anger is an unproductive emotion. I'm like, well, anger. I don't think we were all born with the ability to be angry because we're just inherently all fucking flawed. Like it's part of being human. You can't let it consume you, but I think you can learn to be angry and experience that very human response to things. Maybe your anger as you get better and more mature at it can last for shorter times or you could use it to teach you things or motivate you in certain ways. It doesn't have to consume you and just turn you into an irrational, raging, crazy person. But I don't I that whole idea that like, well, ang- just for example, a- anger is an unproductive emotion. Like you have to we have to get rid of that. If you can reach some sort of enlightenment, you will never be angry again. And that's just not how, – how are we telling people this? And I think it, it feeds into that thing that you're talking about. Like, uh, no, no, I should never feel these ways. I can't feel this stuff. Anger is your protection. I mean, ang- anger could probably be triggered for a lot of different reasons, but we have it. But that that's part of your protection. If somebody smacks you in the face right. and you don't get angry, they're going to keep smacking you. You need to protect yourself. Yeah. And you can't just sit there without anger and slap back nicely. Anger is powerful. It's energy. It's an emotion. You can't you can't disown any one of your emotions and be complete and whole. You don't have to be Thank a you. raving lunatic no. when you get angry. No. There's a healthy way to express anger and you can do words and not violence. True. True. But you can't cut off from your anger because it's going to be that hungry dog in the basement that's yeah. going to come out. And then when you're 62, somebody's going to like say something wrong and you're going to take all that anger that you stuffed down for 62 years and you're going to explode on them. Right. Like you, you can't take anger and put it in you know, an angry sack inside of you right. and think it's not going to go anywhere. It's it has a, to be expressed. It's a completely insane thing that I think we're in the middle of right now where like we, we view certain reactions or emotions as immature, unproductive, not required, you know, be it bad and evil. And we can, we can get rid of them. Like you can get rid of anger. You can get a resentment. You can get rid of this. I mean, yes, some of those things are not terribly productive if you allow them to take hold. But I think these are normal reactions that we have and the the secret secret sauce is recognizing the reaction and deciding how you're going to handle it it's not the first second it's second three four five and ten that matter right i just did an episode on pausing for the trauma response yeah so you're gonna always have that initial reaction to something i think and then you can stop and decide like maturity or whatever you want to call it growth is the ability to say all right hang on a second here what do i want to do with this and you might choose to have resentment for another two hours or 10 years if you choose to do it. Correct. Right, exactly. But I think a lot of anger in the present moment, there's percentages of your history and your past that trigger it. Right. And then there's a percentage of what's really happening in this moment. Does that make sense? I think it, I think it does. And I've, I've heard people like throw that stuff at me like, oh, no, anger is really, you know, that's trauma coming out or that's this past. So you just don't know it. And I'm like, well, maybe that's true at a younger age or for a child, maybe who doesn't have that emotional maturity yet. And, and maybe it's true sometimes for humans, too, that we don't know. We're not we don't evolve to like different kind of beings, I guess. But 
So you're you're saying that anger there's always some past component to anger. Not always, but I think an overreaction of anger has a good amount of percentage based in your past. It's almost like we have this trauma reaction flow chart. Okay. You know, you go down the list and it's like, okay, humiliation gives me this response. Right. You know, um, <laughs> being stolen from has this response. Being hit has this response. Right. If I was never hit in my entire life and I got hit right now, that would be like a pure reaction. Okay. If I've had physical abuse in the past, that reaction is not only going to be taken from the moment I got hit, but it's also going to recall memories from the past. So what's the percentage of, was this, was this altercation <laughs> like in the moment or am I reacting from my past? And because it, because it, of the way you were conditioned to react to specific circumstances. Right. But either way, pausing before you have that initial gut reaction is hugely important yeah, to oh, not I, ruin every relationship in your life. Or I would forward. think maybe the pause comes after the initial. There's always – I don't think you can engineer that out of a human being. Like mm-hmm. in the anxiety circle, we call it first fear and second fear. So like right. when your heart skips a beat, you cannot – Get rid of the initial. It, that's just it's wired into us. You can, but you can decide what happens in the seconds or two after that. Right after that, yeah. So there's always the initial, but then the maturity or the growth comes in being able to insert a pause and say, "Okay, you know what am I going to do with this?" Not in so many words. It happens really quickly, but that's what I would. That's my opinion on that. Uh, and the pause, the pause it, comes after the first, ooh, the, the gut reaction, right? And the pause is two things. It's not fighting it. Right. It's just recognizing it. And it's not attaching to it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because you can decide like, well, how am I going to handle this now? Right. Yeah. And if you're just present with the feeling and process the feeling in the moment as it's happening, instead of fighting it off and pushing it away or taking ownership and attaching to it, one's going to take you here, one's going to take you there. But if you can kind of stay in that middle and just absorb what those feelings are and process them yeah. based on that moment instead of your past, it's a big difference. I would I would definitely agree with that because then you can choose to like, well, yeah, I can, I can be angry right now or upset or whatever the heck it is. And if you actually go through it, you're probably only going to be angry for the next 20 minutes or an hour or maybe a couple hours. Whereas if you try and smash it, run away from it, it's going to come back and get you sooner or later. And and if you run with it, you can be angry for the next two weeks because somebody did this thing that you didn't like. Well, you have a choice. Really? You you can process it now and be done with it, or you can push it away Hmm. and let it linger and fester and process it later or buried inside of you, never process it completely and then have that same reaction the rest of your life. Or the other thing that people do sometimes is they process it Ad infinitum, forever. Yes. I'm going to hang on to this thing and I'm going to keep going back to it again and again and again. So they're not pushing it away, but they're just never fully accepting probably what it really is, which is like this person said something that I didn't like. And at some point you have to say, well, I I can't change it. Maybe that person is an asshole and I won't talk to them ever again. Okay, but I'm going to make my choice now and then move on with it. Like that episode is now over. I can learn something of it and then move forward. Right. Yeah. Either you, you're going to have to process it, process it at some point to be done with it. Yeah. So I would rather do it in the moment and not have hold on to that negative right. energy and resentments going forward. Yeah. It's hard to it's hard to do that 
depending on what the situation is, but it's practice. Hmm. And what I find good is when you have people in your life that'll call you out on it. Like somebody will say, that just made you angry, didn't it? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the kind of the situation diffuses because, yeah, that did make me angry. Right. Like, was why angry. Would, then there's a conversation and a dialogue. But it's, sometimes it's good. So if it's it even, especially good. if it's the person that you're maybe angry at. <laughs> I, I, oh, absolutely. Right. In that situation, it's like, oh, like that, that, that bothered you. And it's probably better. And again, we're conditioned to like, no, it didn't bother me. I'm fine. Because everything has to be happy, smiling. No, I'm fine. There's, I think, you know, when people, when somebody gets you angry, anger is always about a want. So if you made me angry right now, yeah. I would want something from you to take away that anger. The trick is, it's not your responsibility to take away my anger. Right. It's my responsibility to do so. But I think people have this place where they feel like they're coming from um, a disadvantage. When somebody makes you angry and it doesn't affect them, wanting something from them yeah. and trying to figure out how to get that to satisfy your anger, right? that's not the way to go about it. Because you're always staying in that victim role. You're always waiting for something outside of you or somebody outside of you to, to fix those feelings. Right. It's your job to do that. There's way too much blame. And I think even when you're involved in that situation where maybe that person who triggered your anger or made you angry or whatever they did, even if they want desperately to give you what you want, they can't. No. There's nothing I could do. I could say I'm sorry, but I cannot go back and change time. I can't do any of those things. It, it will help to get them there. But right. ultimately, it's but, that person who has the anger. It's their job and their right. responsibility to do the work. Right. I can't, I can't, no matter what, no matter how much I might want to make that not, that I didn't make you angry. The fact is, I did. And now it's on you, ultimately, to decide to not be angry or not right. sooner or later. You could say it wasn't, I didn't mean it that way. It right. wasn't intended. It wasn't intended. It was an accident, whatever. That'll cushion the blow, but then you still need to work on your response. Right. So that's all I can possibly <laughs> do is to say those things and mean them, you know, be sincere in that, I guess. But it's so interesting. This conversation leads to a lot of different things mm. that come up. And we can talk, we can probably sit here for the next two hours yeah. just doing this. But I, I think one of the things that comes up is that feeling where people, well, there's two things. There's the label thing that I've been on a lot lately. And the second thing is people look at their emotions or their reactions as something that they they are absolutely, they just must. How could you possibly think that I can control that? They have no, like, I, I've been thinking a lot about this lately. Okay. Like, things that if we could teach people as children that would change the world, a couple of things you could teach people. Number one, to seek your own internal validation. To stop chasing the the idea that you are accepted and okay from outside. So if you could teach that, that would change the world in a big way. And the other thing is that thoughts and emotions are kind of pointless in, in the end, in the final result. Not to say they're pointless, but they're not monsters that take you away to a place that you can never escape from. Like you do play an active role in experiencing your reactions, your emotions, your, all of those things. Right. And you can learn different ways. You can implement different strategies. You can choose different paths. Not entirely. You can't not be human. But that's the second thing lately that I feel like, oh, if we could teach one thing, we should be able to, I wish we could teach people that. None of it's taught. Emotional well-being and health is, is never taught. 
you know, how many times as a kid, uh, what do you, what are you said about? You have nothing to be said about. You have Atari, you know, you have a roof over your head. You have right. like not validating those feelings for what you're saying is not something to be terrified of, right? Is that what you're saying? No, I think what I'm saying is that people learn uh, or maybe they just don't learn that there's another way. So somebody who, for instance, will say somebody that responds in an angry way to many things or they'll say like, why do I let this get to me so much? Or why do I let people get okay. to me so much? Or why do I, you know, in an instance today, and I, I don't want to, I don't know if you're going to use this, not use this, whatever, but this person is, is dealing with a specific problem that they know they, they're changing their behavior. It's an anxiety related thing. You know, you're not supposed to do these things or you shouldn't, you should try not to do these things because they cause the problem. But she did. She saw something and she forgot for a second and she fell back into old habits and she went down a rabbit hole she did not need to go into. And she reached out with like, I don't understand why this gets to me. Why do we let this get to me? And I had to say to her, it's okay that it, it gets to you. You're not trying to change that it gets to you. You're trying to change that you even followed it down that deep a hole. And it was like, like her head has exploded. Like, no, 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 you don't understand. You're changing your reaction and how you choose to process these things. You're not trying to be different that no, this is never going to bother you. It'll probably bother you forever. But, but you didn't have to follow it all the way down to that level of bother. That's not required. Does that make sense? It does. And it's a foreign concept. Like, what do you mean? This is just the way I am and it will, I'll always be this way. And I just have to figure out how to like not hate myself. So think of it this way. There's parts of us that weren't acceptable. So we cut them off and we put them away. Okay. Anytime going forward that somebody gets close to that place that we've locked away, that was split off because we weren't accepted. We were rejected for having this part of us. Right. If I'm living my life now and somebody gets close to that part, I have no rational thought, but I will react in a certain way. Okay. Me wanting the whole world to change so that I never have that reaction is never going to work. Lashing back, putting responsibility on somebody else, getting angry, Going into a depression, a shame spiral, whatever, however you react, right. that's where you need to sit. Those feelings, just sit with them and allow them to be pushing back on somebody else. Right. And taking the, it takes your responsibility away from figuring out your emotions. You're pushing it on somebody else saying, you hurt me, which yeah. they didn't. That's yeah. an old wound that was just triggered. Right, right. So- incorporating those feelings and sitting with them and letting them be and seeing where they lead because they lead somewhere. I have specific parts of me that are cut off. Mm -hmm. And when somebody gets close to one of those parts, I get washed over. I get this warm feeling of just, I don't know how to explain it, but I completely leave the room and I I feel miserable. Hmm. So, where does that misery come from? Where, what's that part of us that we split off right. that we're protecting? Right, right. Our trigger responses, our anxiety responses, they protect, they're protecting something. Mm-hmm. We have to go and reconnect with that part of us that we split off. Right. Those feelings that you're talking about with this person yeah. is protecting something that can't be seen. And we ferociously protect right. it. Once we start to incorporate that back and own it. Right. We don't really need to protect it anymore. I can't have you see it. 
this can't be seen because I will be abandoned. I will be hurt. I will be, you know, ridiculed, yeah. whatever it is. Right. If I own it, I will not have to react that way because now it's a part of me. Oh, yeah. that And I guess I'm, I'm keep bringing it back to her situation, which is maybe a little bit. I didn't probably didn't describe it that well. But in the end, what you just said is the thing. Like when you own this thing that you have, and, and this replies in almost, and you're talking about a completely different thing that I'm actually talking okay. about. But in the end, it all comes back together again, as it always seems to. <laughs> so if you own this particular thing that's a part of you and not outside you, then you can understand like, oh, this is a thing that I do. I don't have to do that anymore, or I can choose to do it today, but not tomorrow. Like there's a whole new world of possibilities of being when you start to know and own all of those parts of you, I think. Yes. The good, the bad, the, the defects, the shining great characteristics, all of them. So I guess, yeah, the easiest way I can explain it is if I'm a closet alcoholic. Right. If I have little bottles in my pocket, if I'm drinking all day at work or family functions and nobody knows that I'm an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. If somebody makes a joke about me about drinking, I'm going to panic and react because I'm trying to hide that. Uh, yeah, I get it. Okay. I now, see what you're saying. Take that with anger, humiliation, whatever emotion, but the alcoholic part. So now, all of a sudden, I end up at AA, and I'm going through the 12-step program, and somebody calls me an alcoholic. I can go, yeah, I am. And I don't need to be defensive or get angry because I've owned that part of me. Right. It is what it is. And there's just the motions that we cut off that we have to do the same thing. Right. The parts of us that we hate are the parts of us that we protect the most. And if we can incorporate the parts of us that we hate, hmm. we don't have to protect them because we've now owned it. Interesting. Or if it's a part that you hate, not only can you maybe protect it, but you you start to like it, that that example you just said. Like, yes, I own it. I, I'm an alcoholic. You don't have to hate it. It doesn't have to embarrass you. Right. Like you, you're. It, that's okay. Yeah, that's right. That is what I do. But what's interesting is when you own that, then you probably don't find yourself running to the outside world to other people to explain it to you. You don't. You don't need it anymore. Why do I do this thing? Well, I know why I do this thing because I'm an alcoholic. Right. Like I know why I do this thing because I have this particular problem. And it takes away that all of a sudden you have the answer yourself. Right. Even though it might not be easy to deal with. No. But you don't have to go somewhere else to say, please tell me why I do this. Help me change this. No, no, no. Now, now you own it. Exactly. Oh, now I, I know why I do that. I don't like that I do it, but I do it anyway. Yeah, I drank too much last night because I was out with these three guys, and I always drink a lot when I'm out with right, them. No, right. No, I just drink a lot. I'm just using them as an excuse. <laughs> or, or that's the person who, whether it's you know alcoholism or substance abuse, whatever it is, or even in some of the topics that I talk about and you know in my stuff, that thing it's like, well, I don't I don't know why I do this. No, no, no. But you do know why you do it. Like in this situation, it's not maybe a substance abuse problem or an addiction. It's like you have an anxiety disorder. Like, this is not a mystery why you do this. So, but every time you keep coming back and saying, I don't know, I, I, again, I, I'm going down the rabbit hole again. Yeah. And why are you asking me why you're doing it? Like, I can't, I, that's not helping. It's always going to be there to some degree. Right. You do never completely finish your business. No, that's true. It gets manageable. It gets easier. There's longer periods of time in between. Yeah. But- to think that it's going to go away completely. Like I've gone periods where I felt good for a while and all of a sudden like depression came back and I'm like, oh, what are you doing here? Yeah. You were gone for so long. Yeah. It's going to happen. Instead of getting angry at it. Right. Embrace it 
and just go, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm depressed and I'm going to have to walk around. And that's the thing. If you just coming out of hiding, that's why 12 step groups are great. Cause you walk in there and tell people your worst stuff and they're like, call me, let's talk. It's, it's like, their worst stuff too. <laughs> right. Right. In many ways. Not coming out of hiding is extremely important and integrating the parts of us that we hate about ourselves and cut off. And the problem is so much with society and, you know, social media again, where it's everything's beautiful and great and perfect. And no, these people are a mess too, but they're choosing not to show that to you. Right. If right. we could all just like get in a room and go, listen, that's what, hey, it's great. I'm Joe, I'm an alcoholic. Hey, yeah. Joe. Like, right. It's out of the way. I don't have to hide it. We all have sadness. We all have some kind of issues we have to work through. The problem is we don't feel like it's okay to own up to it. Yeah. So interesting. It may, if you're not incorporating all the emotions, negative and positive inside of you, how can you truly be whole and content? Right. You can't in the end. It's not like sadness goes away. You just learn how to accept it when it comes. Yeah, well, why? There'll always be instances in your life where you get sad. You can ne- you, that's it goes back to what we were saying before. I think you can never engineer those things out. There will be sadness. There will be anger. There'll be disappointment. There'll be all those things. It's how you manage them. And I think right, it is how you manage them. It's how you choose to react to them and carry them forward. Right. Like I can either resolve, like you said, I can resolve it here in the next hour or day, or I can resolve it six months from now or ten years from now or whatever. I think we just don't feel lovable for those parts. You know, if I have abandonment issues and I go on a first date and I tell the woman I got abandonment issues, she's going to be like, red flag, I'm out of here. So why would I want to tell her? But, you know, part of you wants to just kind of upfront go, hey, here's the issues. Can you deal with them or not? Yeah, yeah. Like, here's my my bag and my checked bags are right here. Want to check them out? Yeah. Yeah, like a sky cap pulling in luggage (laughs) from the last X amount of years of my life going, we may be great right this moment. But I got thirty years of crap in this ba- in these bags yeah, that yeah. are going to come out over time. So I'd kind of like to open them up now and dump them on the table. What do you think? You in yeah. for that? It's, it's funny that should be. It would be like dating. It would be reverse. Probably be smarter. Like, hey, I'm not, let's let's sit here and have a couple of drinks and make each other laugh. Just I'm going to save you about three years of heartache. Yeah, yeah there's all my crap on from. the table right now. Exactly right. Tell me about your dad. <laughs> I'm going to tell you about your my mom, and and let's see if this is going to work out or not work out. Thanks for listening. You can contact me at joeryan.com. Follow me on Instagram at Joe Ryan. And if you want, you can leave us a review on iTunes. That'd be great. All right, take care.